Welcome to another episode of the Finding Hope Podcast from Rogue Retreat. Podcast hosting service is Anchor.fm. You can hear this podcast on many providers such as Stitcher, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Music courtesy of Jason Shaw. And now we continue with the latest episode of Finding Hope. Matt, why don't you introduce our latest victim, I mean our latest guest of the Finding Hope podcast number 38. Well, I am actually honored to be able to do this. So I'd like to introduce Heather Hassett, who is um, actually the very first paid employee for Roker Treats um, and is really kind of the visionary behind all the work that we're doing today. And so um, she's currently joining us from Hawaii. And thank you for being here, Heather. Glad to be here. <laughs> and glad so, to be soon be back. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and we'll definitely get into that. But um, I was actually talking with Chad the other day. And um, he was talking about how you and him first met um, when they were doing some of their street outreach things. And they were um, down here on one of the street corners here in Medford handing out stuff. And he mentioned that that was how he and you actually got connected way back when. And that kind of led to a... a lifelong endeavor of helping those that are um, less fortunate than us. Can you talk a little bit about how you and Chad kind of got connected and your work here got started? Sure. So it actually the, the street corner thing is kind of an interesting story. I realized looking back after I, um, after I got to start working with Chad that I had met him before um, they used to do a thing um, called Compassion Sundays or something like that. And they would um, have like a, a wagon full of sodas that they would just pass out to people. And I remember um, getting um, the church passed out a soda and it was just free. And I thought that, that was pretty cool. But it was, um, it was in hindsight remembering, oh, I have met you before. I remember that. I when. You had brought that up one time. So I was going to um, Table Rock Fellowship, and God had given me this dream of a um, little backstory. I was planning my family reunion uh, in Idaho, and it occurred to me, well, why doesn't the body of Christ have a family reunion? You know, it's we are the, the true family that... Um, is eternal. So I have a lot of friends that go to other churches. It would be nice to just have an event where all of us could just get together, you know, for a barbecue at the expo and have, you know, speakers and music and just no matter what pew you sat in on Sunday that we could all spend time together and have the idea for the body of Christ family reunion. And so I, didn't know how that was going to um, pan out. I had, you know, started researching things like how much does it cost to reserve the expo, things like that. And one day walking through the church office at Table Rock, I saw a flyer, a little brochure posted on the bulletin board um, about the Jesus Festival. And it said, if you'd like to have your booth, if your, your ministry represented, at the Jesus Festival, you know, call this number and we'll get you registered. And so I called the number and it was Chad. And we talked for like an hour. And 
and the Jesus festival was exactly that. It was the body of Christ family reunion. And so, you know, booths and speakers and people from churches all over the valley. And so I had asked him, well, I think there's no sense in me trying to do something on my own. Why don't I just join what you're doing? Um, do you need any help? And so right away they put me to work and I became the administrative director for the Jesus festival. The wrong thing to ever ask Chad if he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it was definitely designed by God and he had put that vision and mission in my heart. And then, yeah, that was, that was the beginning. And then I began from there uh, for three years. I worked with him as the administrative director of the Jesus festival, um, planning, um, events and then started working with him kind of piecemeal stuff doing billing for the Christian journal and then when the, his current secretary uh, Patty had needed hip replacement surgery and needed to step down um, they thought that I would be the, the replacement for her so then I was the office administrator for set free for about five years oh wow so that's you have a long, long history working with Chad then here locally. Yeah, it was um, actually September 2001, right, right about the time of September 11th. Oof. Wow, that was that'd be a, a difficult time for everybody. But that before you and before you and Heather, well, before you came on, Matt, Heather and I were discussing about my trip to Hawaii right after 9-11 when nobody wanted to travel and so it was just really funny how that time period is so instrumental for different reasons in people's lives oh absolutely it definitely was and and Heather and speaking of dates um, you and I actually share a similar employment date about nine years separated from each other Um, your first day working with Overtreat was technically April Fool's Day in 2009 yep um, and for, for nine years, I kept telling everybody, jokes on Chad, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I remember um, long before I was a staff member, and I um, had the privilege of serving on the Rover Tree board, and you were um, really just kind of the point person in the community with the homeless task force and all the work that Rover Tree was doing. I remember um, going over to Set Free one time for this PowerPoint presentation that you had put together, um, and you had identified all these different properties and all these different types of programs that you could do here locally. Um, and then that I kind of look back as almost like the seed of um, developing that vision for what Robertreet is currently doing in this community. But without you, I mean, with Kelly Shelter would not be here. Hope Village would not be here. What is it like? I mean, um, having, when you left to go to Hawaii and live in paradise for a couple of years to, to see your vision continue growing, um, even once you left the valley, what was that like? Um, it's such a humbling thing to watch. Um, like I want to cry each time I see, you know, a post come up on Facebook about, you know, city council approves, you know, 14 more houses, city council approves four more houses, you know, um, and going from really trying to get the city's approval for a warming shelter, um, to then transitioning that into a full year-long Kelly shelter, it just, you know, brings me to tears. It's like amazing, you know, it's so humbling to, to see 
these things continue and grow and get continually better and better. And it's, it's such a blessing. It's like watching your, your kids growing up. And what inspired that vision? How did you, how did that, how were you inspired to have that vision? Well, after about a year of being with Rogue Retreat and being on the Jackson County Homeless Task Force, I was nominated as a, a chairperson. And so then I was the chair for three years. And it was at that time, Jackson County, um, in line with all programs that received HUD funding, we are to create a 10-year plan. So Jackson mm-hmm. County had a 10-year plan to end homelessness. And I was really reviewing the plan and finding out where are the gaps. It's like, it was heartbreaking to me to have to turn people away and say, you know, I'm sorry, our waiting list is a year and a half long. Um, thank you for your application. <laughs> we'll, we'll be in touch. You know, it was heartbreaking because like, where did people go? So, you know, people were sleeping on the greenway or on street corners or wherever they could find a place. And it just, it really struck me like, okay, well, how are other communities addressing this? What, um, transitional types of structures do other people have in place? Because permanent housing is the ultimate goal, but it's very expensive and takes a very long time. And what can we do that we can put up quickly with very little money, um, but still run our program through? Um, So I just looked around to to find other communities and what they were doing Um, and really kind of address what gaps that we had Um, Other communities have um, campgrounds for homeless. I looked up uh, in Eugene and saw what Nightingale Sanctuary was doing um, and their structured campground environments. Uh, For tiny houses, I had found Opportunity Village in Eugene and um, read as much as I possibly could on what they were doing. Um, I also identified that there is a huge need for mental health housing and more substance abuse housing. There, you know, is some, but when you've got months on a waiting list, sorry, I feel like I have to sneeze. (laughs) Months on a waiting list to get into um, drug and alcohol treatment. I mean, somebody who's ready right now, you have to catch them in that moment or they're gone again. So, Uh, Those were the four pillars that I had really addressed at that time was camps, tiny house villages, mental health housing, and substance abuse housing. And how those, I mean, I had properties picked out in my head. I had like layouts designed on this PowerPoint. Uh, I I remember there were a few trailer parks that got completely wiped out and redesigned by by your PowerPoint too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, Not to mention any names, but yeah, there was a really good location across the street from one of our programs that would have been perfect. Ideal. Um, (laughs) Still is, you know, just pray circles around it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's really where my where my passion started was research. And I'm a firm believer in not reinventing the wheel. You know, look for best practices, look for what's already working, and then find ways to integrate that into our own community um, with our own special, unique, special sauce. 
right? Yeah. In our, in our <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, Heather, one of the things that um, I wanted to bring up is I remember when we went up and took a tour of Opportunity Village and looked at some of the tiny houses and the programs up in Eugene. And I remember um, as Robertreet was kind of going through this, and the way I kind of describe it to people now is we almost, we looked at the best practices of other programs and cherry-picked the best pieces. And, um, and some, of the, some of the differences with Hope Village, I mean, um, Hope Village invested extra in the vinyl fence going around to really dress up the property to make it look like a planned community. And then we also have our case management structure that we wanted to make sure was embedded within it. And so it kind of created a hybrid can, and I wasn't really involved in those conversations. What was the, your process like going through to try to pick the best operational model for Hope Village? Well, the foundation of Rogue Retreat is not just housing. The foundation is helping people change their lives and, and achieve their own kind of success, whatever that looks like for them. Um, we don't want to just house people, warehouse people. Um, so it's really our goal to look through the lens of our case management program for anything that we do, because that's where the change comes. Um, so we knew going in that it would be a hybrid. Um, and so some of, the, some of the big differences, for example, between Opportunity Village and Hope Village was that Opportunity Village is much more um, resident-led village um, and road retreat is much more staff led um, but what we're seeing is is we have a lot more turnover um, a lot of people coming into the program and able to move up into our other levels of housing and opportunity village doesn't have that um, didn't have that I mean now they have uh, Emerald Village and some other projects but you know we really have the different levels of, of housing where people can move up from one level to another and incentive to, to do well and, and go to the next level. And eventually, after being in um, the housing retreat programs, people can get a, a voucher um, for uh, Section 8. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely lent itself to um, kind of almost inadvertently creating our own little personal continuum of, um, of shelter and housing, which has been great because you can really move people through it. And what's also unique is that um, we have a five-level case management system, and at the moment we have five different levels of shelter and housing, so it's almost like the number five there's is kind five, of There's five stars in the logo, <laughs> and the number five is very uh, We like pivotal. that number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and so thank you for sharing that, because um, that experience has um, really helped um, create change in this community. I mean, it's even now... Um, the experience of Hope Village has lent itself to even grants pass now with Foundry Village moving forward and the Grants Pass City Council adopting the urban campground ordinance to um, to allow oh, can you hear me? <laughs> and the urban campground you, ordinance to um, allow You're that. you're kind of uh, muffled but you're I we hear you but you're okay. kind of muffled. How about now? There. Okay. Um, so the experience of Hope Village has really created a, a, really a butterfly effect that's now changing other communities like Grants Pass even. And so um, your work, you, um, you were a pioneer in that sense, and now it's created um, other, it's allowed other communities to take a risk in many cases to allow programs like this to exist. And that is absolutely amazing to see that your vision has really kind of created that ripple effect. 
Um, so um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, when you um, decided to take a hiatus from Rogue Retreat and moved <laughs> to Paradise for a couple of years. What have you been doing? <laughs> well, um, yeah, see, I'm also a firm believer in hiring people smarter than yourself, and I kind of worked myself out of a job. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you know, all of the things, all of the little pieces that, that I did as the first employee, by the time I left, there was 15. And so, you know, I felt like Rogue Retreat was in really good hands. And I've always had a huge heart for Hawaii. I lived here when I was younger and I've always wanted to come back. Um, came to visit in 2018 and um, was talking to my friend and telling her how I love it here so much and I miss it and I just wish I could live here. And she said, well, why not? And that's something that we would talk to our participants about. If they have dreams and think visions and things that they want to do in their life, why not? What's stopping you? And so I really took that to heart. It's like, you're absolutely right. Why not? Why, why don't I follow my dreams? Um, and so I did. <laughs> and um, I'm currently working for the American Heart Association as an operations manager um, great organization. I love it. Yes. Um, but with this pandemic really came, um, a new realization for me that although I love it here, I really miss my family. And my uncle just recently passed away. Wasn't able to go home, be with my family, um, be there for my aunt. And two weeks after I got here, I found out I was going to be a grandma. <laughs> so I have a, a grandson who's a year and a half old now and I've seen him once. So, you know, I did some really serious reevaluation and soul searching and um, shared that with my mom who then in turn shared it with Chad, who then in turn called me incessantly. <laughs> Is it true? Are you really thinking of coming back? <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and now, um, now it, it looks like August is your targeted date to be able to come back into Rope Retreat. And you, um, when you left, our agency was about half the size that it now is. And so we are now stepping into an agency that has over 50 staff. Um, so that's, we're kind of like, yeah, we grew into like a gangly teenager when you left. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think maybe I, was, maybe I was the bottleneck. Maybe I had to leave for a while in order for it to blossom. You know, um, ultimately what that was, was it was in the Kelly shelter going year round. Um, that became a year round program that has to be staffed 24 yeah. seven and it doubled us, but it's been amazing. But can you talk a little bit about what you're coming back to do for Rope Retreat? Sure. Um, it'll be the same in, in a sense, the same kind of work as a, as I was doing before, as far as being a programs director, um, or not programs, projects director. And what that will entail is all of these new projects now that keep coming at Rogue Retreat, um, that's really kind of what my gift and skill was, is helping new projects um, get started. I mean, I'm working with community partners to, to build these new projects, getting things approved, getting things um, organized, um, because there's just so many new projects now that Rogue Retreat has made a name as, you know, the premier homeless housing and case management program in Southern Oregon. Um, people are coming to us now instead of us reaching out. So a lot of things are coming that just there's no staff power. There's no 
um, there's no way to organize organized way to make these things happen. And so that's what I'm coming back to do. No, and I can tell you, we need it. Um, we definitely need it um, with the amount of projects that are continuing to present themselves and opportunities. Um, being able to have somebody like yourself that can help hold those projects and then pull the pieces from us that you need um, is going to be absolutely essential and very much needed for um, the health and sanity of this organization going forward. Um, and I just want to thank you for being willing to come back for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the funniest things that, that I had heard after I left was nobody knew what you did until you weren't here to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Within the week, we had stuff blowing up in our face when you weren't here anymore. And um, we went through some learning experiences, but at the same time that did allow for staff growth in other areas. And so it did help strengthen us. But at the yeah. same time, it also made us more aware of, um, of the pieces that we need to be paying attention to. And those are the things that you held the, you held the keys to them. And nobody, um, yeah, it's once you were gone, you were missed immediately. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I can also say that um, I am now going through the um, advanced leadership um, cohort with Dr. Bowling. And I was, oh, wonderful. About, and I was bragging about you this week to him because um, because you're, you're coming back in August, and he's also really excited to get you back to this community, and um, I think it's going to be a blessing. Wonderful. Yeah, and so um, and so Heather, one of the things that we usually um, like to also talk about at this, um, because it is finding hope, and a lot of the stories that we've had are people that have been through our program, and you've been the front, the first person that people have seen many times when they have um, come to Rogue Retreat for help. If you were to encounter somebody that was literally out of hope and they were feeling hopeless, what would your message to them be today? This is always where the pause happens. This is the, this is the question. <laughs> it is. Um, don't give up. The answer is there. You just can't see it yet. You only know what you know. You know, allow... Um. Uh, be vulnerable and allow other people to come alongside you who can guide you. Um, I love hearing the participant interviews, the past participants that, that what they say is just do what your case manager tells you. <laughs> we fought it and fought it and fought it, but in the end, it all made sense. <laughs> it all made sense. So, you know, we only know what we know. And so, it takes a huge risk to be vulnerable and to allow other people to speak into your life and, and guide you. Um, trust is a really hard thing for many people coming into the program. They, you know, they've been in survival mode so long, they, they don't trust anybody. And they don't trust that we have their best interest at heart. But that's why those um, success stories at the Monday night meetings are so critical because they can see that somebody else going through the same thing that they're going through got their kids back or got their driver's mm -hmm. license or got to speak to their parents who they haven't, who disowned them five years ago and didn't speak to them. You know, they got to go over to their house for, for dinner or these stories they can see that it's possible for them too. Absolutely. You know, there, there's something about the fellowship of the Monday Night Life Skills classes that um, seems to really bring everybody together. Um, and I know that um, that's been one of the things that we've been missing programmatically since COVID hit because we can't do the large gatherings. And it's impacting a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people out there struggling right now because of the isolation. And 
I would recommend Zoom Monday night meetings. That, you know, um, we are moving towards, and I actually think that next Monday they're looking at um, starting a new way of doing life skills to break it up into smaller groups. But I, I'm pretty excited to um, start seeing that happen again because it, COVID has been impacting a lot of folks lately. You know, I think Zoom is a great thing for meetings because I know of a lot of uh, blindness-related organizations because Zoom is so user-friendly that they're doing Zoom. In fact, even the their two main blind organizations, the American Council of the Blind and National Federation of the Blind, and they are doing their convention virtually because people can't get together. They, they normally go to, you know, places like Kentucky or whatever they had their conventions, but, or, you know, whatever, and they're doing it that way. And it'll be interesting to hear how that goes for them. And I must say it's, it's really great to, cause I, I feel as though I know you Heather, because I've heard so much. And by the way, Ned, do, you, do you know, <laughs> It'll be an anniversary for me. I know. Next year stands me year a year doing this. On July 11th. Yep. They keep coming back, Stan. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. And I love being here. That's one thing I noticed from the first day I walked in. I had no idea how things were going to work or uh, if they were going to work. And uh, everyone has been so accepting and so... Um, just, just such a joy to work with. It's been, I can't say enough good things. Yeah. Well, well I think they didn't know they needed you until you were there. Uh, and I, now I, you're, you know, you're instrumental. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, Heather, and, um, and we are definitely excited to, um, well, we, you never really left the Roger Tree family, but we're ready to have you back inside in the house with us. So um, we are looking forward to being able to work with you again. Another pivotal thing for me was um, one of our assignments on a Friday for American Heart Association was on Monday, we all need to come with a statement of, I love working for the American Heart Association because, and how would we finish that sentence? And so I was thinking about it and thinking about it and, um, was kind of excited and oh you know they're a really great organization and they do this and that and you know all these different things and then it just really stuck in my head that it's I still say they I've I've been with American Heart Association for a year I have been away from Rogue Retreat for two years but I still say we whenever I talk about Rogue Retreat it's still and we do this and we do that and we have this (laughs) program and and it's you know it's just it's part of me I guess (laughs) part of your DNA and you're, you're part of us. It's, um, it's, it's a family. And, um, and I know that that's one of the things that people feel when they walk in the door is the closeness, um, that the organization has with each, with itself. I'm really excited to work again at Rogue Retreat and work with Chad and, and continue to dream with him. Um, and I'm really excited about, um, reconnecting with the community partners um, like just for an example, um, since we'll be working closely with all care, um, 
I just recently reconnected on Facebook with Sam Engel because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we were, we were pretty close before. And so, you know, just reestablishing my friendships and, and partnerships within the community. I'm really excited to, to see all my buddies. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a fundraiser, I'm excited to be able to work with you um, to help bring funding to the projects that you're going to be helping direct. And um, I'm looking forward to the partnership. Thank you, Heather. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Yep. We love you very much. And Stan, do you want to take us home? Because we're about out of time. Yes, we are. And uh, I want to remind people that the, we do have a Finding Hope podcast uh, page. If you go to Facebook and look at Rogue Retreat, and I'll explain later what different places that we are available when I do my editing. And with that in mind, this concludes podcast number three. 38 with our (laughs) special guest, Heather Hassett. Thank you you very much, everybody. Stan? Stan? Yes? Before we leave the meeting, I wanted to tell you, um, I am just really, really grateful that you're doing this now. Um, Years and years ago, I took a a video course at um, SOU, because I had a dream of doing a video series of pretty much what you're doing audio called um, Restoring Lives. The Restoring Lives video project is what I had. And uh, I had filmed a little bit, um, but I didn't really have the time to put into really getting it off the ground. And you know, I really had always thought that, that capturing these stories is extremely important and I'm just glad that you're here to do it. Well, you know, one of the interesting things that we it's probably too early to talk about yet, but it looks like we'll be putting this podcast on YouTube and having um video associated with it. And uh and well, we'll talk more about that later and we'll let the cat out of the bag yet. But uh <laughs> I, I'm yeah, just so, really thrilled about the possibilities that we have here at Rogue Retreat. So my, my name for, for my video series was uh, Restoring Lives, or Re- Lives Restored or something like that, because it went with the, the logo underneath Rogue Retreat. It says yeah. Restoring Lives. But I really like the Finding Hope title. I think that that's perfect because that's really what everybody needs coming into the Well, especially in these days. If there wasn't needed before, it really is now. Absolutely. You know, and Heather, you were um, instrumental with our mission statement, having hope being the centerpiece of it, because ultimately that is our goal, is to help provide people the opportunity to find hope. And we love to showcase this. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were at the strategic planning meetings, the board meetings up at the... uh, Suncrest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go way back, Matt. And we, uh, nice to see uh, Jesse and Kimberly again, too. Absolutely. <laughs> no, we are all looking forward to having you back, and I am looking forward to get to work with you again. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have okay, a great thank day. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye.